ulterior. So, there was no episode last week, and I remember the last time I got on here and I talked about my absence for a week, I gave a full explanation about not feeling okay sometimes and not really being in the right headspace to record, and I guess maybe to some extent that is part of the reasoning for why I wasn't on here last week, but the bigger reason is that I just ran out of time. Like, just being just straight up point blank with all you guys. I ran out of any bit of time that I could have used to record uh, the episode because what I want you guys to understand is I do not have right now all the free time that I used to. You know, I have a full-time job. I have cats to take care of. Uh, There was some other shit going on, but that was later on in the week, not really when I would have been allocating any time to record ulterior. Um... But yeah, that that's basically what it comes down to, and I really do apologize, not only to you guys, but also to myself, because this podcast is meant to be, like, my way of expressing my passion and also giving myself time to, like, really analyze why some of this shit resonates with me so much, and for my own um, just bad judgment calls, I missed my chance to really gas up some good shit last week. But I'm trying to correct the course right now for this week, so yeah, what's happening this week is looking at new singles from the likes of December, Nothing Nowhere, Fire from the Gods, Dayseeker, and a few others I want to get to, and then brand new records from Drag Me Out, Nightlife, and Black Bear. So yeah, thanks everyone. Enjoy this episode. If you were to have presented to me in like writing or some kind of a verbal format, the meme about 2007 and what I've done by Linkin Park, I probably would have like initially been annoyed by it. But actually seeing the memes in practice on Twitter over the last week, I fuck with it. Honestly, I think it's actually pretty funny for the most part. Um, nothing that I've seen that was like really, really dull. Um, it's a pretty cool meme and I'm just happy that like, you know, what I've done is getting some love. I, I think Minutes and Midnight as a whole is a really, really, really fucking masterful record. Is it Linkin Park's best? No, of course not. But it's still generational. It's still a record that has, like, so many songs that go back to time and time again. And, yeah, just really, really loving the love for what I've done. But, anywho, that does uh, segue me into the singles discussion. And we're starting off the way that we normally do. The number one ranked song for Cena Govalik this past week was Misery Syndrome by Nothing Nowhere featuring Buddy Nielsen from Census Fail. Whenever somebody mentions the name Nothing Nowhere, I feel like the first term that should come to anyone's mind is versatility. Because what Nothing Nowhere has been able to showcase in his entire tenure as a musician is a range that 
is maybe unmatched compared to literally everyone else around him, everyone in the scene. There is no style or sound that Nothing Nowhere embarks on and he just fails to get. He understands everything. Dude does not miss. He is a fucking monster with this shit. Misery Syndrome is a lot more grounded in like you know, alternative rock, that sort of like more hard hitting shit compared to what he is normally doing, like with um Trauma Factory last year. And I am just, as always, floored by how fucking fluid he sounds, how amazing his material is. Um, the Buddy Nielsen feature is significant for several reasons. Uh, one of those being the fact that, um, I guess you can say nothing nowhere like manifested this years ago on get over it with the lines. I've been rolling around with the windows down, bumming that senses fail. And now Brody's really got buddy on a track. And like, this is some really, really cool, like dream coming true type shit that is so rewarding for myself as a fan to be able to watch. And the other thing that I want to like really emphasize with nothing nowhere as a whole is the connection that he has with his audience and it's not like a twitter stand type of a connection and not that there's anything wrong with that but just like the reason i'm even mentioning this is because when i went to the music video for misery syndrome on youtube a lot of the comments were just people like giving genuine like heartfelt statements telling nothing nowhere or in this case the human joe that he helped them tremendously through personal issues and you know in the most extreme cases they credit him with saving their lives like there is a real fan and artist relationship happening here between nothing nowhere and his audience that is just beautiful to watch because it shows the power of not just scene music but music altogether. and like it's that kind of shit that like really keeps me coming back to this platform and keeps me interested in the music because of the the level of impact that it can have on people's lives you know i i've gone through that myself and it is just beyond gratifying to get to see Nothing Nowhere reach that level for so many people. So the next single is coming from a band called December, and I feel like this is maybe the first time that any of you are hearing about this band. Uh, let me talk about the brand new single of theirs, Wilted. There is some bit of ulterior lore that plays into my fascination with December because back at the start of 2021, when ulterior was meant to be a website platform for reviews, um, I came across a single by December called In Waiting and I raved about it in the written review. I thought that single was just fucking tremendous and really emotional and heartfelt and I was just hoping for bigger and better things to come out of December in the future. And that ended up being their last single and or, or their last single before Wilted. So there's a span of like a year and seven months, almost eight months between singles. And the wait was 100% absolutely fucking worth it because Wilted came along and just was leaps and bounds above what I already perceived December to have been off of the caliber of in waiting. Wilted is grounded in 
that sort of like melodramatic post-hardcore emo style that will always invigorate this sense of nostalgia within me and will always strike chords in my heart and allow me to gravitate towards this material and just give me like those moments where I can sense the like the scene kid within me just shining and being so proud of the music that I'm getting to listen to now and the way that Wilted is able to you know be heavy in some moments and then scale things back and be so gripping in different ways and then go back into the heaviness but still maintain that captivating factor it is just the like a real testament to the prowess of December and the necessity that I believe there is right now in the scene for them so I want them to continue to build upon the sound, continue to grow, and just let more people know who they are because they have something really, really fucking special to offer all of us, I believe. There is a brand new Fire From The Gods single called Thousand Lifetimes. And along with the single release came the announcement of the brand new album, Soul Revolution, out on October 28th. Uh, so, Thousand Lifetimes is the third single from the record so far. We had SOS and the title track, Soul Revolution. I was just so into those tracks, specifically SOS. I thought that song was fucking massive. And then somehow, Thousand Lifetimes feels like one of the pillars of the discography for Fire From The Gods so far. This song is incredible i think aj his range and just the the powerful nature of his voice is able to carry those slow verses into the explosive chorus and just be like really cathartic in a lot of ways and be so energizing and moving fire from the gods is one of those bands that just has that ability to like make you sit down and just really fucking listen and pay attention to what they're saying because there is weight to their words there's weight to every melody fire from the gods is one of those bands that is just must see right now cannot miss and i mean cannot miss in the sense of you know you as a fan should not be missing their material and then at the same time as musicians they cannot miss on anything that they put forth a thousand lifetimes amazing song fire from the gods amazing band and three singles in star revolution you know it's looking really really good come october 28 and there's more album news from another major band in the scene we're going to get to that right now new day seeker single without me The record is called Dark Sun. It is dropping November 4th. And Without Me is the follow-up to Neon Grave, which came out back in March. And between Neon Grave and Without Me, I think what we're seeing with Dark Sun's rollout is much of the same as before with Dayseeker and Sleep Talk, the 2019 record. But when I say much of the same, I do not mean that in any kind of a disparaging way. I mean that in the sense that Dayseeker are true to themselves. They're still you know, acting as one of those bands that can just put out some of the most emotional yet catchy songs in the entire scene. 
without me is fucking just gutting in not the just the lyricism but just the way that the song gets across these themes sonically and the way that Rory Rodriguez is able to just elevate this track in a way that he does every other track that he's involved in like Dayseeker is one of the most complete packages in all of music right now in my opinion and there's so much to be excited for for their future come November 4th with Dark Sun um I expect to be hearing myself talk about this record and this band a lot in the coming months and for good reason because Without Me is just the most promising that a single can possibly be for a band. Uh, Foreign Hands, they just signed a brand new record label. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but they did come out with a new single, Chlorine Tears. The aforementioned record deal is with Sharp Tone Records, who continue to be a like cornerstone for the scene through signings such as Foreign Hands. And I, I have heard of this band before, but Chlorine Tears provided with me the first time that I really got to experience this act in the same limelight that I do some other incredible bands, whether they be on Sharp Tone or any other label. Um, the pacing and the delivery of this single is immaculate and like really gives um experienced foreign hands listeners as well as first time listeners the chance to understand this brand of metalcore that has all the right hits of post hardcore laced throughout it um i remember hearing this track and one of my first thoughts was just how much tyler norris vocals reminded me of my karanica from the devil Wars prada and maybe that's one of the factors that helped establish like this immediate connection between myself and chlorine tears but beyond that the song is literally genuinely just incredible i think you can never really predict or expect what is going to happen next it is a fucking roller coaster it is heavy it is emotional it is moving it is just everything that i could ask for in a song from any sector of the music landscape uh foreign hands is 100 percent for sure a band to just keep watching for the future because with a single like chlorine tears the lineup that they have and the backing of a label like sharp tone there's really no ceiling for where they can go from here and the heights that they can reach. The final single that I will be giving its own spotlight to for the episode comes from Varials. It is called 50. They also announced a brand new record last week. It is called Scars for You to Remember. It is out October 14th. And this is my plea for bands. Stop fucking releasing records on October 14th this year. I have enough October 14th albums to just worry about because that's We Came as Romans, uh, Sibian Sirens, Lorna Shore, probably fucking whoever else I'm not even remembering and I'm forgetting about. I know that there are more. Isn't Boundaries that day too? Fucking shit, dude. October 14th, like... God, I don't know what to do with that episode. I might have to split into two parts, guys. Like, for real, for real. That's crazy. Um, shit. What am I doing? What else is crazy is this fucking single and the ferocity that it brings forth. I think 50 is 
one of the best things that Varials have ever been able to do. I think it's right up there with the caliber of the last single cycle of violence, chapter one. Um, just everything about Varials act right now, it's like really hitting and it's on point and it's at a level that I'm not saying that they weren't at prior, but between these two singles for scars for you to remember, it feels like the prowess of Varials is more evident now than it ever has been before. They're just a band that is operating at a new level and a high level for that matter. Um, this is going to be exciting to watch because I feel like Varials have enough of the prior question marks about their approach to heavy music figured out and everything looks to be refined going into Scars for you to remember. And we really, really could be seeing the best form of Varials that has ever existed. These were the remainder of the singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the social media reviews. Scorpion by Above Below, Skyline by After Elmer, Bug Food by Elisic, OK by Cleopatric, Misa Misa by Corpse featuring Scarlord and Cordell, Thanatos by Dead Awake, Permanent Rebellion by Ellis Dunes, You Like Girls by Novacup featuring Russell Elisic, Battle X City or Battle by City, I don't, I don't really know how to say that, by Our Hall Our Home featuring Samantha Bauer, Get Out by Pink Shift, It Never Rains in LA by Riley, Barbie and Ken by Sing Queen featuring Cody Carson from Set It Off, Do It All Again by Starletta, Real Life by Story of the Year, MOTY by Summer featuring Siamese, Dead at Birth by Terror, The Elephant Man in the Room by The Callous Dowboys, Heart Worth Breaking by The Midnight, Choke by The Warning featuring Grandson in 0936, Drowning Hymns by Windwalkers, and Moonlight by Wither Decay. There was one single that got a 2 out of 5, and that being Darker Steel by Parkway Drive. That is the title track for the upcoming Parkway Drive album, which I do not know the release date off the top of my head, because why would I? Um, all I will say about this single, until I actually do review the record, because I kind of do plan to whenever that does happen, um... They tried something new, something different, and that's cool, I guess, but it's kind of stinky, not gonna lie, um, and I'm okay with that because I've never actually, like, really, really been invested in Parkway Drive, so it's not like I'm losing a band, per se, but, yeah, this is, uh, it's not good, I really, really don't think it's good, which I guess is a shame, but thankfully... There was plenty of other material from last week for me to rave about and just latch onto and gravitate towards, such as these three records. And I'm going to go ahead and start with, this is actually kind of a weird way to start it, but I'm starting with the highest rated record for last week, that being Demons Away by Drag Me Out. So I kind of sort of want to take like a victory lap in my praise for this record or the praise that's coming ahead because of this, I I guess, attachment that I have to Dennis Stoff. And just to explain briefly for anybody hearing this who might not know who Dennis Stoff is, Dennis essentially lived the dream or my dream in this case 
So Dennis started off on YouTube covering scene songs in like the late 2000s, early 2010s, and namely asking Alexandria songs. And then when uh, Danny Warsop left asking in 2015, the vocalist that they picked up to replace him was Dennis. So legit, Dennis went from covering asking Alexandria songs in his bedroom in fucking Ukraine all the way to actually being the vocalist of the band and being there with them on Warp Tour at Download Festival at, you know, tours and shows. And he was on a fucking record with them. He was on The Black. Like, Dennis, just the, the trajectory of his career is completely fucking asinine. And it's not anything that I would have ever imagined or ever been able to predict for him having been there from the beginning or near the beginning when he was covering, you know, songs at home. And so anytime that Dennis has like some kind of success, it feels rewarding to myself. But at the same time, with his success comes his faults. And there are plenty of those because the connective thread between Dennis's projects other than drag me out is that he has done something to not be a part of them anymore. So he was with make me famous and that went to shit. He was with down and dirty. They also went to shit. And then with asking, I still don't really understand what happened. I'm not like so caught up on that story because I do remember in the lead up to the, uh, 10 years in the black or 10 years of the black, whatever that tour name was in late 2016. Um, Dennis, he claimed that Ukraine had become a war zone and he was concerned for his family. So that's why he couldn't tour. So he stepped away from the band. I also remember there being a Facebook live with, uh, Ben Bruce from asking who said that Dennis had like demands or else he wouldn't fulfills obligations or some shit like that. I'm like paraphrasing now because it's been years and I don't fully, fully remember the story, but that's the gist of what happened. So Dennis, he has like some untrustworthiness about him, if that's even a word. But what he also has, in my opinion, is undeniable talent. I don't believe anybody can hear Dennis' performance, whether they be on asking or drag me out or any of his other projects and not believe that this guy has the abilities and the capabilities talent wise to be him because it just in my opinion that album that he was on with asking the black while it might not be like the full package for a good record there are some fucking strong ass songs on that bitch i'm talking like i won't give in the tower track let it sleep, um, undivided. Like he was more often than not amazing on that record. Um, there is a make me famous song called blind date 101. That is honestly pretty cringe now that I think about it, but I have like this guilty pleasure feeling for that track because it is just so cool in my opinion. Um, and then the last drag me out record from 29 or the first one rather from 2019, I think it was called pressure. And Again, there are some fucking songs on that hoe. Like, that thing is amazing, genuinely. I really, really do believe that. And in the singles rollout for Demons Away, there was never a moment where I was of the belief that Dennis 
was not going to showcase the same level of ability and talent and range that he has throughout his entire career on Demons Away. The singles rollout goes all the way back to November of 2020 with the song The Watch of the Buried, which I believe I'm right, if my memory serves me correctly, in saying that there was some controversy that Dennis got himself in as it pertained to the artwork for the single and the artist maybe not being credited and whatnot. Um, I don't remember entirely what happened, uh, but just like a PSA in general, uh, credit artists, it's really not difficult to do at all, and it means the world to them given the amount of time and effort that they put into their work. Um, but as for the song itself, this record gave me the chance to sort of be like reintroduced to The Watch of the Buried and both the beauty and ferocity that, that Drag Me Out can lace any of their songs with. And that same notion can be applied to the other singles like Bullet to My Teeth and Crystal Arms, the latter serving as the opener, and it's a fucking amazing opener at that. Um, I feel like this material, had it been left in the hands of so many other metalcore bands in this day and age, they might have ended up missing the mark when it comes to allowing each of these tracks to have their own personalities and really be made to stand out from each other in all of the best ways. But what Drag Me Out did here with Demons Away is they managed to pull off what I just said about giving songs character, and the manner in which they do it is nearly perfect in my opinion. Um, that's established really early on in the record because With the Thunder We Rise feels different from Crystal Arms, and then in turn, so does the third track, Blind and Blurred. And now that I've said Blind and Blurred, this is the part of the episode where I'm going to give my space to really like go in and rave about this song because I came out of Demons Away with the belief that Blind and Blurred wasn't just the best song on the album, nor was it one of the best songs of the week. I think Blind and Blurred has a real case of being one of the best songs of the year so far in its entirety. Um, actually, let me go even further. This is one of the best songs that Dennis Stoff has ever been attached to, and I went on and on earlier about uh, Blind Date 101 and I Won't Give In. Blind and Blurred is right up there. Like, he is fucking incredible with this track. Everybody in the band is. There's just something about the way that Blind and Blurred, like, really gives this epic feel to each section of it. Like, throughout the verses and the choruses, there's never a moment with Blind and Blurred where I feel like the song is losing steam or momentum at any given point. It is just nonstop, constant fucking perfection. And, like, I'm getting kind of flustered right now talking about it because I really, really, really love Blind and Blurred. And I think it's just you know, a, a pillar of what Dennis Stoff has stood for so far in his tenure in the scene. Um, and just to kind of like go uh, on a bit of more of like a tangent about that, Dennis really does take center stage on this album in all the best ways. And whether it's on a really uh, like beautiful and arena ready chorus on tracks like Cause it's meant to be, or I swear I'm not okay, or something more scream oriented like him for the wicked, or then even something that's in the realm of being a little bit more muted all across the board, like, uh, no feelings. He gets across this level of versatility that it's not shocking for me to hear because I've always known just how talented he is, but having demons away and being able to spend the last few days with it, I'm like learning once again about the craft of Dennis Stoff and how he has just mastered said craft over the last, you know, 13, 14 years, however long it's actually been that he's been in our little scene space. Um, Demons Away 
is it a perfect record right now? I, I don't know. I went with a 9.5 out of 10 because I feel like this is one of those records where maybe my level of appreciation for it hasn't like fully flourished yet. There does feel like there's room for this album to grow on me even more. And that's kind of weird to think about given how much I'm praising it right now for all of you. Um, I don't see myself declining on this record. I don't think that I'm going to feel any less about it right now. The only change that can be made is me feeling even stronger about it. And like, you know, who knows what kind of discourse that could lead to later on in the year, because I really think Demons Away is this amazing showcase of what Drag Me Out can bring to us right now in the scene. And I, I don't know what the traction for this record is going to be. I don't know how many people are going to get to hear it or have made the time to hear it, but just this is worth it. Definitely. I, I believe so. This is worth the time. It's worth the effort. Tracks like Blind and Blurred and um, I Swear I'm Not Okay. Like, these feel almost generational. Like, there is something to this material that maybe not other bands are capitalizing on. Maybe not other bands have this uh, ability and range within them right now. But Drag Me Out do. And they do so much fucking good with that talent. Right now, I want to get into the brand new Nightlife EP. This one is called Fall Back. At this point in time, maybe Nightlife isn't exactly a huge band, but I feel like they have a pretty big reach on social media, and part of that is due to the online persona of Hansel, who is the vocalist of the band. Um, maybe some of you guys hearing this know about Hansel through his own personal Twitter or the SceneFacts account that he is running. But either way, Hansel being very much so online has really benefited the public image and the reach of Nightlife because... His popularity, for lack of a better way of really phrasing that, has allowed, you know, eyes and ears to be on Nightlife. And it's not just because Hansel is an online persona that Nightlife is, like, really getting this attention. Because, you know, attention from an online um, account or whatever, that can only get you so far. Once people are, you know, listening to what you're doing... It has to be good. It has to be quality. And I do believe that ever since Nightlife's debut last year on the EP New Low, they've been able to showcase this level of talent that goes beyond just, you know, some Twitter engagements. And there is 100% a need in the scene for something in this realm of rock music that draws influence from R&B and pop and other areas that feel almost like, I guess, challenging to the average alternative music listener and i i think that's actually a good term to base the sound of nightlife off of challenging they are challenging the idea of what it means to be pop based in the scene and you can hear that right away from the opener nightlife type beat and that song is laced with this giant production that commands attention to not only hansel's vocals but also the super infectious bass line and the other elements that have been mixed in there, like trumpets, just to give an example, there is just so much life being injected into Nightlife's act through just this one song. And then to go from that into the title track, Fallback, that really gives listeners something insanely euphoric and likely, maybe, possibly something really different from what they're normally listening to in the music scene. Um, 
fallback is just catchy and impossible to not at least be nodding your head to when it comes to that fucking rhythm. Um, there are three other songs that come after the title track, and while I do love all of them dearly, I don't know if for myself personally, any of them fully capture the same magic from the first two songs. And maybe there are some production choices that lend to that mindset of mine, like on how For Me Once, um, it, it feels kind of slow at times. And again, this is all just in comparison to the song's Nightlife Type Beat and Fallback. Um, Hard For Me dives into that realm of scaling things back even more so than For Me Once. But just to reiterate all of this, um, I, I really do like these songs, both of them. And then with the closing track, No Pleasure... There is this effect to it that feels like it's more in alignment with the kind of experimental bands that you can single out as possibly being influences on nightlife, such as Galleons. There is this almost like a, a pop-like frantic nature to how that song crafts its main sound, and it does so in a way that really does a lot to help it stand out amongst the other tracks on this EP, because considering like how many different uh, little elements and quirky production choices have been mixed into fallback. Anything to help a song stand out really, really does a lot for it, in my opinion. Um, how does this compare to their prior EP, New Low? Well, it's double the length, like literally going from three to six songs. And I kind of feel the same way, ultimately. I think what's happening here is Nightlife is showing a world of promise and potential and maybe the fulfillment of those two things isn't exactly there just yet, but you would be lying to yourself if you heard this EP at an even new low and didn't believe that Nightlife are on the right path. They have this amazing sound. They have a building audience. There's really like no reason for me to think that Nightlife cannot reach the levels that they're aspiring to. Just remain consistent, keep delivering these incredible songs that feel so unique to the scene, and sooner than later, fucking everybody's gonna know about Nightlife, dude. And now there's just one record left to talk about, and we're gonna dive into it now because this one is kind of special to me for different reasons, and we're gonna talk about that as much as I'm comfortable with right now. In Loving Memory by Black Bear. Y'all know how I first discovered Black Bear? Player Hairs Ball by Palisades 2014, the releasing off of Mind Games. That was like this eye-opening moment that I didn't even realize at the time was eye-opening. I didn't know that Black Bear was going to become such a prominent figure in my personal music journey ever since that moment of hearing Player Hairs Ball. And the process of discovering like, okay, this dude has legitimate roots in the scene and he is a, a major contributor to some really fucking massive songs like Boyfriend by Justin Bieber. He was a co-writer on that shit. It's like, where exactly did Black Bear come from? It just felt like really almost out of nowhere for myself. And all throughout the years, Black Bear has built this rapport with myself that I 
could probably count on one hand the amount of other bands slash artists who I trust more than Black Bear or equally to Black Bear to deliver material and never once disappoint me, never once let me down. Because Black Bear has just never let go of that grasp that his music has been able to have in my brain. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's fucking, uh, Drink Bleach or Dead Roses, Help, Digital Drug Lord, Cybersex, like everything that Black Bear is attached to and everything that his name is a part of, it ends up meaning something to me, just meaning the fucking world. Um, to give a little bit more like recent examples of just like how much he has impacted my life, um, Last week, we reached three years of Hot Girl Bummer, and there's a fucking essay that I could recite about Hot Girl Bummer and the effect it had on my life at that time, the months thereafter, the present day. Like, Hot Girl Bummer is one of the most important songs I have ever heard in my goddamn life, and this kind of ties back to what I said about me trying to find, like, what level am I comfortable talking about the Black Bear influence at? Because Black Bear has been the soundtrack to some amazing moments in my life, but then also some that I would like to forget ever happened. And maybe that's a big reason, actually not maybe, I know that's a big reason why the attachment that I have to his material exists. And I'm going to speak about a single off of Everything Means Nothing called I Feel Bad in the same breath as Hot Girl Bummer because I Feel Bad was a song that was like right there in the summer of 2020, a really abysmal time in my life to just catch me as I was falling off the deep end. Like that song did so much for me, for me back then. Um, so I did get a chance last year to talk about Black Bear because he had the EP Misery Lake. I discussed it the week that it had dropped on this podcast and then also once again for the top 50 records of 2021. I don't remember exactly where it placed. I think it was like in the top 40, maybe, maybe 30. I don't remember exactly. Um, And I just like by by the time Misery Lake came out, I had already perceived Blackbird to be like a Hall of Fame level talent. And if he became more experimental after that, it would not hinder at all how I view his past material. No matter what, you know, sort of experimentation he uh, allowed his music to undergo. And that's like my way of saying that In Loving Memory is admittedly different. But it's not different in a bad or harmful way. It's just a little bit, um, a little bit of a stark contrast to some of the stuff that he'd been doing, for lack of a better way of really, really phrasing that. So, at its core, In Loving Memory is a pop punk record. But I, I don't fully agree with just saying it's pop punk because that's like such a a very broad blanket term that I think does an injustice to some of the amazing sounds that are put together for In Loving Memory. I think that the song, The Idea, kind of speaks to what I'm trying to say because it does share a lot of similarities to the Black Bear of the past. Um, I would say that this song really reminds me of another song from him called Me and Your Ghost. 
it's such a catchy and heartfelt pop song that will be something I think of almost immediately moving forward whenever I think about summer 2022. Um, the, the pop punk nature of In Loving Memory is made apparent right away through the opening song, I Don't Love Me, which has this slow buildup in its first moment that gives way for that chorus to really, really shine through. Um, and because of Black Bear's songwriting abilities, these tracks that are meant to be like quote unquote heavier than what he normally does, they still possess the same crazy levels of catchiness that his other pop and hip hop material do. Like, um, for example, the chorus on Dead Inside, that is fucking massive and should be saying out loud by all audience at his shows in the future. Um, Broken World is a really fun song that perfectly utilizes the idea of introducing an acoustic guitar to something really pop-based and fun. Um, F-U-I-L-U is another really good showcase of how Black Bear is able to take what he's learned in the past and let that sort of infiltrate these more rock-inspired sounds. Um, there was a lot of credit that should be given to the guest feature spots, and yes, that does include Machine Gun Kelly, because I do think he helps GFY's effectiveness. Um, Burt McCracken from The Use being on a track here still feels like a fever dream, but it's one of the best tracks on the album. Uh, Jordan Pundick from Newfound Glory does the same thing for Nothing Matters, and that is, in turn, another standout song on the album. Uh, Black Bear also got Bayside on a track near the end of the record on uh, Poltergeist, and for myself, that song really sets the stage for one of the best closing stretches on any album that I've heard all year so far. Uh, with Poltergeist, there is this flair to it that enables the song to feel more like punk music rather than just pop punk, and I think that Black Bear does an incredible job in that avenue. And then after that, we get into the song Back in Rehab. In my personal opinion, this is the best song on the album, and it exists in the same stratosphere as Hot Girl Bummer and I Feel Bad as being one of my favorite things that Black Bear has done in the last few years. The build in the initial verse is almost haunting while being really intriguing, and then the chorus comes in and, bro, that shit holds nothing back, both sonically and lyrically, to get its point across. I might end up back in rehab just for fucking with you or six feet underground because of what you put me through. This is the kind of song that I almost feel like I shouldn't be listening to because of how invasive it is to Black Bear's personal life. And in turn, that does make me like a little bit sort of guilty about my affection for back in rehab. But the way that the song is put together... It also makes it something that I'm just so proud to have been able to experience. It's like this weird contrasting feeling of like, I shouldn't be hearing this. And then also in the same breath, this is really, really fucking sensational and outstanding. And just another notch on the belt of Black Bear that is just ever growing in perfection. And all of that leads into the final song, Hazel Inside. And Hazel Inside is one of the most beautiful songs I've heard all year. The track is dedicated to Black Bear's son, Midnight, and the feelings that he is kind of like possessed with whenever he looks into Midnight's hazel eyes. And like I myself, you know, I don't have kids right now. The closest that I have uh, to any kind of children would be my cats. But the idea of just like looking into their eyes and feeling this sense of euphoria and just having 
their, you know, affection and well-being consume my life, I can really, really put myself in that position for Hazel inside. It is just a, a, a fucking gorgeous song. I think it is one of the just coolest things that Black Bear has been able to do recently. And I feel like in turn, that speaks to my overall thoughts on In Loving Memory. This is a cool ass record. I really do admire the chances that Black Bear took, the directions that he took. And maybe I, you know, would prefer hearing something of the past like, um, Hot Girl Bummer or I Feel Bad, like I've already mentioned, and then even For You or Anxiety or other past Blackbird songs that I've really, really grown attached to at this point. But some of the songs on In Loving Memory, like The Idea, Back in Rehab, Hazel Inside, Poltergeist, like these are coming with me. These songs are going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. I feel just like so forever in debt to Black Bear for everything that he has been able to do for me, everything that he's been able to do for me that he doesn't even know about. Um, in a perfect world, I would someday have the opportunity to actually let Black Bear know about what his music means to me, what it's been able to do for me, and just like really show that gratitude because Black Bear is one of the most important artists, not just in my lifetime right now, but I think just in general in music, this fucking century, whatever you want to say. Um, he's a necessity. He is absolutely a fucking necessity to everything that is happening around us. And I just hope that everybody is able to hear this album or even any prior Black Bear album and find something that they can latch onto the way that I've been able to with so much of his material. And that's it. That was every album and EP and single from last week for me to review, and this episode is coming out on Thursday, September 1st, the same day as the brand new Pierce DeVell single, which I will be talking about next week. So yeah, if you want to neglect this episode so you can hear Pierce DeVell, totally understand it, I'd probably do the same thing. Um, I will be seeing Pierce DeVell though in three weeks. I am going to the True Power Tour, the I Prevail, Pierce DeVell, Fit for King, and yours truly. A generational tour package, guys. Like, I'm really, really fucking excited for that. My first show in three years, actually, since Bring Me the Horizon, Sleeping in Sirens, and Poppy back in October 2019. Anyways, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and conclude it there. I'm pretty tired, and I have to finish editing this, so, yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene. Let's make a scene.